right, y'all. We back like we never left. The brothers and ball are here. We missed y'all so much. How y'all doing? Y'all all right? We doing good. Got my dog, George, with me. How you doing? And the special guest, I tell you, the sports way, we blowing up. We popping like popcorn. X is in the building. What's going on there, brother? It's going good. I'm excited to be on the show. And uh, let's get this thing rolling. Yep. Indeed. Indeed. So, it's been a lot of basketball been going on, about half a season. A lot of hooping, a lot of duping. A lot of people wet in the bed, a lot of people exceeding expectations. So, we got some midseason predictions, some mid-season awards that we're giving out, who we think doing good thus far, and who we think go, you know, backslide a little bit. So, midseason, if, if the MVP was given out today, who would y'all give it to? Uh, I think I'll take it first. So uh, I actually just wrote an article about this. So uh, if you would like to read it, go to the sportswave.net uh, and look up my uh, uh, my uh, my article list. Just look up George Zane. should be the first thing that shows up is my list of articles. So most valuable player. First, hands down, I think X is on page for me at this point. Nikola Jokic, the Sambor shuffle, fucking joker. From Sambor, Serbia, my man, the seven-foot, big honey, Joker. Fuck, okay. This dude right now is putting up, I mean, aside from if you just watch Denver basketball every game, which I do, the only reason I watch Denver basketball is because of this man. I don't have league pass. I have fucking team pass. Because the only team I care enough about to watch outside of the New York Knicks is the Denver Nuggets because of this man. I, okay. So this dude right now is averaging 27 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, eight half assists a game, a steal and a half a game, which is like up there at the top of the NBA. Uh, he's shooting, shooting fifth, almost 57, 42, and 88 uh, shooting splits, almost 50, 40, 90, which is pretty much unheard of for a center. Him and Embiid are actually up there together at this point, but uh, in terms of almost being there, but. The only one that's short is the free throw percentage, which should both go up. True shooting, 65%. Effective field goal percentage, 61 I mean, look at all the stats. And then the advanced statistics, though, is really where he separates himself. He's leading in literally every advanced statistic that possibly exists. That means anything. Player efficiency rating, leading the league. Win shares, leading the league. Value over replacement player, leading the league. Uh, box plus minus, leading the league. And he leads... In total points added amongst amongst all players by a mile and a half, it's not even close. It's everybody in this big clusterfuck, and then Nikola Jokic all the way in the top right corner. So this dude is putting up an absolutely absurd season, and the only reason that he's not the front runner for MVP in everybody's book is because the team has pretty much sold on him, to say the least, all season. Jamal Murray has not come into form until later on, right before the All-Star break. Neither has Michael Porter Jr., it looks like they were hitting their stride in a four-game win streak on the road to close out uh, right before the um, right before the All-Star break. So we'll see where they go from there. But Nikola Jokic, in my in my opinion, and let me just say, I've been on his boat, and everybody knows this. I called him MVP in fucking 2017. I said before he was even an All-Star. I said this dude is winning MVP this year, and now it took. <laughs> Which three fucking four years later, we're finally here. 
This, he's just turned 26 last month. This dude is the MVP of the league. He's my single most proud. Achieve- I, he's like my fucking son. He's my single most proud achievement when it comes to calling Eastern sports. <laughs> and I've been taking my victory lap for about two years, three years at this point, and I'm going to continue <laughs> to do so. And, and he's going to win that fucking MVP this year. They're going to close out as the top four seed in the West. And that's just, I mean, what, what else is there to say? This dude, he's the best player in the league right now. If you don't watch him play, you got to watch him play. It's must-see basketball. You're doing yourself a disservice. And anybody who says otherwise in the MVP conversation does not watch Denver basketball, does not watch Nikola Jokic. And, frankly, I feel sorry for them. I think that's my turn. Okay, so I'm not the leader <laughs> yeah. of the uh, the Nikola Jokic fan club, but I, I think I have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. I do have league pass as well. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not just – Limited to Denver, I kind of watch everybody. But nonetheless, Nikola Jokic is phenomenal, and he's my pick for MVP as well. His impact on Denver is not stated enough around the league. Like, look, he is that entire offense. There is no doubt about it. Embiid is a segment of Philadelphia's offense, but Nikola Jokic runs the entire show, and he is the entire show. Jamal Murray's a fine player, but as George mentioned, he didn't really find his form till lately, right before the All-Star break. This team would be a dumpster fire if it wasn't for Nikola Jokic. I think Philly would still be a relatively decent team if it wasn't for Embiid. They'd probably have around, I don't know, 15, 16 wins. As far as Denver, I don't know if they'd have more than 10 wins without Jokic right now. That's how valuable he is to their entire team. And I don't care about their record right now. I really don't because they're two and a half games out of third place. I mean, if if that's really so valuable, then I just want to see how the next 20% of the season goes because standings don't stay in place we all know this that like them being the sixth seed right now does not matter whatsoever because every two weeks the standing shuffle a little bit that's just basketball so for those people i just don't want to hear that shit but as far as nicole Jokic and Embiid, I, I think the main difference is nicole Jokic's package on offense is just better than Embiid's at this point nicole Jokic runs the offense and on defense Embiid is better i'm not gonna lie there but Nikola Jokic is no slouch either, and Jokic's just passing ability and his meaningfulness is so much more important to Denver than Embiid's is to the Philadelphia, where I think that's where he has the edge. That is why Jokic is my MVP, and as you mentioned, leading every advanced stat. You got Raptor, you got PIE, you have everything. He's leading in everything. Yeah, and let me just add really quick. Uh, like, to your point, if you take Jokic off that team, they are the worst team in the league by far. I think that... Um, like, by far. I don't even think it's close, really. And they do have Murray and Porter, but when they're not playing well, which has been most of the season, if it weren't for Jokic, and good thing we don't know this, because Jokic doesn't miss any fucking games, which is, I mean, he's too un- he's too unathletic to do to hurt himself. So, there's that. And to, to the defensive point, I don't want to say that Nikola Jokic is a better defender than Embiid. However, to say that he is what he used to be on defense is absurd. And he does lead Embiid in defensive win shares, in defensive box plus minus, uh, and defensive points added. So I'm not saying he's a better defender, but the advanced defensive statistics also all lean Jokic's way. It just adds to the case, in my opinion. So, Wayne, you go right ahead. I, th- I think you're on Embiid's stream, but I'm not 100% sure. Well... Oh, that's cool, and all that. That's pretty much y'all are factually correct. But <laughs> Embiid is the MVP. 
Embiid is the, right now the Embiid's MVP. And you, and I don't know if y'all knew this. I think X, I mean, George, I think you knew because, you know, we'd be doing the shows and stuff. But I, I had Embiid winning the MVP at the beginning of this year. And a big reason for that cause, is because of Doc Rivers. And Embiid's in shape now. He's actually having the best career year of his career. He's shooting a higher percentage from three highs he's ever done, 43%, I believe. And, you know, they was, and I was looking at it. Everybody was talking about who's MVP, MVP, MVP. And they played the Utah Jazz. Embiid dropped 40. 40. Yoke Matter of fact, he had this past couple games last he had time. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So, me, I'm looking now as a unit, as a, as a whole collective thing, Joker does more for the Nuggets than what Embiid does for Philly. But to me, what I'm looking at, what Embiid does, he does it at a higher clip than Joker does. And, and I'm looking for I'm looking at for well, the the droves are different. When I look at Embiid, I'm looking like almost like an Akeem Olajuwon. He ain't Olajuwon, but he's pretty doggone close because there, there's no answer for Embiid. There's no answer for him. You know, it's you can get you from every which away, and he's healthy this year. That was really the only thing we was talking about. If he's healthy, if he's in shape, he's a top five player, and he's been both of them. And he's he's doing, and he's got him in the top seed in the East for whatever it's worth. When everybody's talking about singing Brooklyn praises, Philly's doing better, and I think he's leading the charge with it. Now the the PER and, and the Raptors and. All this good stuff that is fantastic, and I'm not saying. And if Embiid didn't exist, if he wasn't doing this, I'd be singing Joker right there with y'all, because he is for real. But to me, I think that guy's got to be Embiid. It's got to be Embiid because we talking about what would what Nuggets would be without Joker. I, I <laughs> well, I don't, well, Philly's still a good team too because they got a bunch. But to me, I, I got to give it to Embiid. Because I'm looking at somebody that's unstoppable. And I don't get – I get really good with Joker, but I don't get unstoppable. I don't know if you've ever seen Denver closing out a game, but Jokic is about the most unstoppable player I've seen in my life next to LeBron James. <laughs> when, I've, when it comes I've been down watching Denver games because people have been telling me about Denver for the past couple of years, so I just – I didn't want to be that guy to be late to the, the party. And <laughs> this is more of a Denver argument. I can't really get behind Denver because – people talking about them being good this year i can't good teams don't go down 3-1 twice in the same playoff year so when i saw that happen last year i knew i was gonna be out on denver this year joker cool great but the team as a unit i was out on them because if you're a good team you're not going down 3-1 twice in the same year in the playoffs and that's exactly what they did so, I mean, Here's so my just, thing, though. Here's my thing. If, if you look at both players, I, I don't even know if this is disputable. So if you put up all the important basketball things, like whatever, point, scoring, and, and rebounding, all this shit, if you line up all that in a row, right, all yeah. those numbers are going to be really close for either guy. It's going to be, you know, Jokic is by a little and beats by a little. But there's going to be one category that is a glaring advantage for Jokic that – there's no category where Embiid is glaringly different over Jokic. But there is one category where Jokic is glaringly different over Embiid. That's playmaking. And I think Jokic is one of the best playmakers in basketball. And I think you have to put that into account when this guy is a seven-foot marshmallow being this playmaker for a team where, let's be honest, a lot of the other guys are not succeeding this year. Besides Murray the last, like, two weeks of the year, this team has been really up and down. They're missing Jeremy Grant's defensive versatility on the bench right now. Composo is like the only guy who can be consistent on this team right now. It's ridiculous. Besides that, I mean, it, you got to look at Jokic and see how vital he is to that Denver offense. 
And Joe, look, I, I, we talk, everybody talking about Joker. I don't, I'm not sure if Joker can jump on a credit card, but his playmaking yeah. is fine. It is the truth. And he's got Embiid and spades in that. I, I don't, and you can make a case. Well, I don't think you make much of a case for it. Joker does do more. He's asked to do more than Embiid does because, again, Philly's got to complete. I, I don't see where the hole is in Philly's team, but that's another argument. But, you know what I mean? Embiid doesn't have to do as much because, you know, he's got like Ben Simmons, and, you know, he's got other guards to help him out. And you can make a case that Joker is the best guard on Denver, although he's the big man. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he is asked to do more. So if you want to do it like that, I get it. But to me, I just feel I got to give it. I got to give it to Embiid. I I, I got to. The only way I can see Embiid winning is if it's really off of the the pure record standpoint. And honestly, I don't. Number one, I don't think it's strong enough right now. And Denver's only ascending, and Philly's probably going to descend a little bit because the Nets are trending upwards, along with some other Eastern Conference teams. So. I really see them both trending in opposite directions as uh, as far as they've been doing this season. And Jokic has only been getting better. He's only been getting better, and he's only going to get better throughout the season. He's he's in stride. He started off the season in stride, which is better than he's been the past few years where he kind of starts off a little sluggish. And Jokic is I, – I don't, I don't want to – understate this even a little bit and it might sound like i'm overstating it but it's not even close to Jokic is the single most important player to his team in the league today than anybody period you take him off that team and they drop further then and that that's what that's pretty much what value over replacement player is which he's number one in he that's it he's he's the most important player to his team this year I think that's MVP. So I guess we can move on to the next one. Uh, And just to say, uh, this podcast had both the top two MVP leaders guest to the to at least point that to at least this point in the season before the season even fucking started. We had Embiid and we had Jokic up there before the season started. So that if that doesn't speak to our credibility, I don't know what does. But anyway, to move on to Rookie of the Year, uh, I got Lamelo Ball. I don't know where you guys stand on this, but I'm pretty sure there's not a single person on the planet who doesn't. Have you know why I met George. You, you know why I met. <laughs> no, please. Are you fuck? All right. Anyway, hold on. All right, I'm gonna go through this and then I'm gonna let you go on whatever you gotta do. So, <laughs> point sixteen points a game, six rebounds a game, six assists a game, steal and a half a game, uh, 45, 38, and eighty. Uh, the guy. I mean, he's just been the best rookie so far. But let me say one thing. And fucking Anthony Edwards, worse in the league in terms of TPA. Can't shoot. James Wiseman kind of started off the season really well, but he's kind of tapered off a little bit towards the end. Uh, and Emmanuel quickly, uh, he's he's just not he's just not getting enough playing time, basically, to be up there with uh, with Ball. However, I do have one fucking question for the NBA community. And that is why do we consistently see the best player in the draft and say, no, this guy's going third or this guy's going anything other than one. Why is that? When fucking Doncic went three, everyone knew he was the best player in the draft. He's been the best player in the draft. There's no reason why he should have dropped yet. He did. And the same thing with LaMelo ball. We knew he was better than Anthony Edwards. 
We knew he was better than James Wiseman. And by a, a pretty wide margin, LaMelo Ball has been a transcendent player thus far. We knew he was going to be that. Why the hell didn't they just say, take him one? Just fucking take him one. And it's not uh, – maybe the war, the Warriors in the center. I, I get it. They took Wiseman. But how on earth did Minnesota take fucking Anthony Edwards, the guard, <laughs> before they took LaMelo Ball? I don't understand. You take the transcendent I, I talent. Why do we keep making this mistake? I don't fucking get it. Anyway, LaMelo Ball, Rookie of the Year. Uh, I, I don't see how, Wayne, you can have any anyone else, but uh, I'll let you uh, – I'll let our guest go and then and then. Oh, thanks. Right Wayne, I'm cutting, I'm cutting <laughs> you in line. Um, Man, have at it. Have at it. But the one thing that has really held me back the last few years when analyzing basketball talent, I've got some great guys. I had Hero High in my rankings. I, I had – some hits on some of these guys that were drafted pretty late. But the one glaring thing that I've failed to realize that is so important is how much you care, right? You, there's really no stat for that. There's really no, you know, how much do they care when they're playing? It's kind of hard to look at effort sometimes. But it's easy to look at reports before the draft and see that guys don't care. Anthony Edwards couldn't give two shits about playing basketball. Everyone knows that. He wishes he was a rapper. He wishes he was these other things. He does not care about basketball. You can say a lot about LaMelo Ball – but there's one thing that is surely the truth. He gives a shit. Like, he cares a lot about this game. And that's yeah. why he's improved so fast, so quick. I didn't think he would be this good this fast. I talked about it many times where I thought maybe that we were kind of overstating his potential a little bit because I saw the potential that everyone else did. But what happens if he didn't reach that too early? Because I was worried about the whole LeVar thing. And is this going to turn into kind of a Lonzo situation where you know he has talent, but it's kind of hard to get it out of him when he's playing this situation. Well, so far he's done pretty well. His advanced numbers aren't the best, but that's because he had kind of a rocky start since he's been started. He's been fantastic. Him in crunch time has really been what's impressed me though. He leads their crunch time five with like Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington. Uh, sometimes miles bridges. They, they go really small. Sometimes, sometimes they put Cody Zeller in at the five. They have a great crunch time five and he's kind of the leader of that crunch time five. And he's just been playing really well. And I don't have much to say about it because I think it's kind of obvious that he's the rookie of the year. I think the only one relatively close is Tyrese Halliburton. And Halliburton doesn't really start and get those opportunities because it's kind of awkward playing him and Fox at the same time a lot. So unless LaMelo gets hurt, I don't see anyone else really even coming close. Just on a side note before uh, before you go, Wayne, what Xavier, what do you think the uh, the Kings do about the whole Fox Halliburton situation. Well, I think they got I think they got lucky, quite honestly, that Halliburton fell because Halliburton's whole thing was his shot motion was weird. They didn't know if it would translate to the NBA, and because he didn't have kind of the background that a guy like Lamelo Ball had, and he was he played a few years at Iowa State, he didn't have that to fall back on. He didn't have that kind of credibility to fall back on that a guy like Lamelo Ball had. So him being picked later made sense, but people underestimated that you could just fix your shot motion a little bit and it becomes a world's difference. So Halliburton, his elbow was way too far out and it made for this clunky release. And his release is still a bit awkward, but he fixed that elbow really quick. I'm sure King shooting coaches helped him really fast and it's made his shot faster. It's made it smoother. And the most important thing is it goes in. The issue with him and Fox is this. Fox isn't as good of a shooter as Halliburton is, which is weird to say because Halliburton, of course, has that weird release. And Halliburton, honestly... He's kind of better in crunch time than Fox is too. But they just paid Fox all this money. I don't know what they do with him. It kind of reminds me of years ago with Phoenix when they had 
Eric Bledsoe and Isaiah Thomas at the same time. Uh, yeah, and Drogic, right? This is a, this is a little different because I think Halliburton is a little better at that time than Thomas was at that time in Phoenix. Of course, Thomas would become an MVP candidate in Boston, but nonetheless. So I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I love. I had to slide that in there. Um, I, I think Halliburton ultimately has to be the one to get traded because they give Fox all that money. But I think they're kind of punching themselves because they would have got a Fox replacement for a fraction of the price. And then they probably would have got a lot for Darren Fox. Some team probably would have overpaid for Fox because of his potential. I just think they kind of chose the wrong guy too early. They didn't know they would have Halliburton, so that's fine. But, you know, that's kind of an awkward situation. Got it. And in retrospect, as a Knicks fan, I wish we could have just taken this fucking problem right out of their hands by drafting Halliburton instead of whatever the fuck Obi Toppin is right now. Oh, my God. I, I I can't stand watching this dude play anymore. And I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but he he might be the least, the least exciting player to watch in the NBA. He turns his back as soon as he gets the ball. He can't drive. He can't post up. He can't. All he, he hands the ball off and sets a screen and then hopes for an alley oop that never comes. I mean, this. Uh, now yeah. I might have been wrong on Lamelo, but damn, I was right on Obi Toppin because I clowned that pick as soon as it happened because and I was I was wrong as hell. <laughs> I if you watched Obi Toppin at Dayton, and I'm sure sure you might have overestimated this aspect, right? His entire game was he was more athletic than everyone else. What happens when he got to the NBA when everyone Everyone's was the same bigger, athleticism stronger, and, and bigger and stronger and all that? He's already 23 years old. He's already up there. He can never really shoot that well. So you're asking a guy whose entire game revolved around athleticism, who's already 23, which sounds weird to say already 23, but that's the NBA nowadays. He's already 23, right? And He's not getting any improvement here. He, he hasn't really improved his game from year to year. All he improved was how much he drove. That's that's really it. So, I don't know. I, I'm out on Obi Toppin already. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. but Me too. And me and Wayne are both diehard Knicks fans. And I, I'm out on him. I, I don't think Wayne is. But Wayne gets here uh, uh, rookie of the year. Because apparently it's different than the consensus right now. <laughs> what? Who, who told you that? I got that. You know I got I'm all that, about uh, that big ball of brand. You know I'm all about Lamelo Ball and all things big ball of brand, whether it be Lonzo, Leangelo, or Lamelo. Man, let me tell y'all something. This boy got more game than GameStop. I've been watching this since Ball and the Family, Chino Hills. <laughs> I've been trying to tell everybody and they goldfish Lamelo Ball was gonna be the real Hell deal. Yeah. Listen. LaMelo is what we thought Lonzo was going to be because what Lonzo can be a little bashful, LaMelo does not have that same problem. He is aggressive. He's getting after it. Now, I don't – sometimes he may try to be a little too hard. Sometimes he was a little too cool for school, and that's where all them turnovers was coming on early on in the year. But now he's kind of slowed down with the game, and he's realized he's just not light years ahead of everybody like he used to be because he ain't playing, you know, Billy Goats in Lithuania no more. But now, you know, he's really thinking about the game. He's got a real cerebral touch with it, and he's got other people that are pretty doggone good too. You know what I mean? So now you put that, and now they had the nerve to get Gordon Hayward too has also been a helpful piece to him. I'm not big on Cody Zeller, but he made Cody Zeller look like he okay. And I, far That's as, a mirror. Cody Zeller slander. Come on, Wayne. You know, Come on. <laughs> Unacceptable. I mean, he cool, you know, but you know what I mean? But big I, I rookie of the year, I wanted this man in the worst way. I really did. So I knew he, he was going to be my rookie of the year pick unless – 
Obi, you know, looked like Amari Stoudemire or something, I was going to be LaMelo Ball all the way because I'm part of that big baller brand. So I got so I don't know. I don't know how you could have thought I was getting ready to pick somebody else. It was it was going to take an act of God for me to change my mind. <laughs> I don't know. When I, when I, I got was introducing the, it, you said something. I thought you said like uh, I thought you implied that you had a different opinion. <laughs> Oh no! Oh yeah. no! Lamelo Ball all the way. He should have been. I had. I would have had him starting day one. Now I was a little concerned. I wasn't sure how it was going to fit, and I was hoping he would fall because they had Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. So I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Although I would take Big Ball Brand. Graham sucks. Him, so maybe yeah, I, I, I think question. they figured but, that out this year. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, it ended up working out. Now I'm not. I don't see how he stays on the team too much longer. Maybe a deadline move, or we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I'm rookie of the year. I'm all in on Big Baller Brand. What are the Vegas odds right now? On uh, do what? What are the Vegas odds right now? As far as he's one of the biggest favorites of anyone. I think he is the biggest favorite of anyone at any award. Minus six hundred. There you go. That's insane. Tyrese Halliburton. It's Big Baller Brand. How can you not? I tried to be good. I got to get a little loud. I try. Look, how can you, he's got the flash? He's got the look. He can score. The score. The announcing team hype him up. He's got his dad hollering and praising his name. Everybody gonna be looking at it. What nobody? What in the damn soul talking about the Hornets until the Mellow Ball got yes. there? They've been in the lottery pretty much since twenty sixteen. Oh yeah, twenty sixteen. Oh, they've been, they've been in the lottery before that way. <laughs> since the Bobcat days, been, right? But I'm, I'm yeah, saying they, they made the playoffs been, in 2016. They've been in the lottery they, pretty much my entire life, right? Like literally, it's they're terrible. Garbage. This is what I'm saying. Bruh. This is why we should have moved for him. He's a fucking culture changer. It is a culture changer, a life changer, a game changer, a ticket seller. He would have done everything we could have had him possibly in the in the. But I know we didn't. Uh, we didn't do it. I don't know why we didn't. He brought do it. fucking but swagger this was to such Charlotte. A Charlotte, North Carolina, and he went to Charlotte. That he is the surefire. He is so good. He made Jordan look like a genius at picking. Jordan <laughs> has been picking trash after trash after trash after trash. Jordan has been awful as a GM. Terrible. I think my little girls that can pick out better players than him, but he couldn't even mess that up. He couldn't even mess that up. That's how good LaMelo Ball is. Agreed. He's got so much talent. Somebody that can't pick talent had to pick him. Hell yeah. That's what LaMelo Ball is. That's my rookie of the year. That's the man right there. All right, so to move on now to defensive player of the year. Uh, this one is probably the most contentious one so far. And uh, I got Rudy Gobert. However, I would not be surprised if you guys have something else. And I wouldn't even contest it that much because I wasn't too sold on this either. When I was writing my article, I went back and forth between him and Simmons a few times. But in the end, he did outdo himself again with the blocks per game this year, averaging 2.7 so far. Uh, I think he leads the league in uh, defensive win shares and defensive plus minus. Is he worth $40 million a year? No, he's not. He's not $40 million a year. If he's $40 million a year, Nikola Jokic is fucking $75 million a year. <laughs> this, dude, this dude is the most one-dimensional player. He's the most one-dimensional 
maxed out player I've ever fucking seen in my life. And but really, he is the defensive player of the year. Like he's the best rim protector in the league. He does get abused by Embiid and Jokic every time he plays. Like like we mentioned before, Embiid dropped forty on his head, and and Jokic dropped forty seven and like twelve assists on his head last time they played. The dude just he. I, I don't know what, maybe you just can't man defend, but nonetheless, best rim protector in the league. Uh, ben Simmons was up there in the conversation for me. Not really too sold on Gobert, but he's the front runner for me right now. What about you? Yeah, like, so I will never get Rudy Gobert. I'll just admit that. I, I will never understand this. And his advanced statistics make him sound like a top 30 player. I will never, I will never get it. I don't agree with it. I will never fathom it, but that's fine. Anyway, my guy's Simmons just because Simmons can guard one through four pretty competently. And I don't think there's really too many right. people in basketball that can do that. Like he, he was going from guarding Damian Lillard very hard and probably gave Dame one of his worst games of the season this year, just man-to-man defense the entire time. And then a few games later, he guarded LeBron. Like how many people can stick with Dame and then have to go out and guard LeBron? That's just, you know. Lou Dort. <laughs> oh God, um, I, I love Lou Dort. Well, I'll have a Lou Dort shout in the next uh, category. But anyway, that's probably. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's why Simmons is it for me. I really don't care because I think defensive player of the year is nonsense nowadays. Because half the time you're in zone, you're not really manning up anyone. I think it's kind of Simmons' award to lose at this point, unless he just poops the bed. I I have Simmons. Right. Yeah, and Gobert's favored going to Vegas right now, but Simmons is right there with him so yeah i i wouldn't contend that at all whatsoever uh wayne what do you think i'm right there with i'm right there with x and listen look there's a it's it's hard to really rank defense but here's the thing there's a difference between being a defender there's nothing but being a rim protector you know when you defend somebody you're guarding person with you know somebody with the ball you're guarding the ball Rudy can't do that. You know what I'm saying? Rudy can't shuffle them puppies like a Ben Simmons can. When you're protecting the rim, you stay by the rim. And I don't know how many balls, basketball games y'all didn't watch, but I ain't never seen the rim move. <laughs> the rim stays right there for 48 minutes. So he got to stay. It'd be pretty much equivalent to guarding the mailbox. So Rudy's great at that, but that doesn't get you defensive player of the year. People in the floor spacing, so that encourages people to probably drive more. But since Rudy's already there, and he's what seven one and seven about six with that with that wingspan, so yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be easy to get two time defensive player of the year like that. But for me, it's Ben Simmons because again, like X said, he'll take your favorite player and put him on house arrest for forty eight minutes. You can't you cannot you can't put no price on that. You cannot put a tag on that. He know a stat for y'all. I got a stat for y'all. So y'all know I'm big on Philly this year, and y'all know how I am about Ben Simmons. You know that I'm all about Ben Simmons. They played the Nets this year, okay. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, they had uh, Seth Curry on them. Had 22. Doc Rivers calls a timeout. For the remainder of the game, which I think was about third quarter, Ben Bay through the third, you know how many points James Harden scored once Ben Simmons took that assignment? How much? Four points. Beautiful. The rest of the game. You talking, like, like X said again, you talking about somebody who can guard Kyrie one night, LeBron the next night, and he can go get a uh, – Marvin Bagley the next night. You cannot – so, to me, he's the defensive player of the year going away with it. And Rudy, I get Rudy because rim protection, you can record a block. You can't record somebody, you know. you can't. There's no stat unless 
there's something out there that makes you pick up a dribble. Because I'm willing to bet that if whoever the average in making players pick up a dribble per game, Ben Simmons got that, and it's not even close. Yeah. Because when you dribbling down the court, and then Ben Simmons get up under your forearm like deodorant, and he make you pick that dribble up, nobody does that better than Ben Simmons. He's 6'10". He can move like he's 6'3". He's got a wingspan built like a power. He's built like Jermaine O'Neal, which ain't fair. So I got Ben Simmons defensive player of the year. The stats will never show that. But as far as on ball defense, there there is not nobody better than Ben. Well, Simmons. I'll be damned if you guys didn't change my opinion. <laughs> but uh, to move on to the next uh, to the next category, most improved player, and uh, this is where uh, I went a little bit Homer on Nikola Jokic oh. earlier. <laughs> but this is where the homing starts right now. Hear ye, say it. Hear ye, hear ye. Be warned. Come on. <laughs> Julius Randle, motherfucker. Yes! <laughs> yes! First time All-Star. Should be an All-Pro. This dude has transformed the Mecca back. Currently oh say it, George. Averaging mm. 23, 11, 5 and a half on 48, 40, 80 PER through the roof. Yes. Value over replacement through the roof. Box plus minus through the roof. Has the Knicks currently at 19-18. I'm going to quote myself real quick. From the first article that I wrote about the Knicks this year, I said Julius Randle has been nothing short of a miracle for Knicks Nation this season. Every Knicks fan this this past offseason, including myself, was begging the front office to shift this dude as far away from this organization as humanly possible. Randle and Peyton were public. Real, real quick, real quick. I don't want to interject. I hate to interject, and I hate to Go do on. that. But just right there, my neighbor, he's a big basketball guy, too. Here's where I was on Julius Randle so far out, just to echo what you were saying. I'm like, you know what? You know what, Jamari? I would take Kevin Love right now over Julius Randle. That's where I was preseason. I, and, but that, that, that's where I was. So you're right. I'm going to slide right on back in here, brother. You got it. Said, that's where I was. I said Randle and Peyton. Or public enemies 1A and 1B coming into the season. Picked up one offseason prior. Randall was what we got instead of Kevin Durant, which doomed him from the start in the eyes of the common Knicks fan. When the season started, it only got worse. Not only did Randall not play up to his expectation, but he did not come anywhere close. He was ball dominant, he was inefficient, he was turnover prone, and he had terrible shot selection and would frequently ice out young gun RJ Barrett with the assistance of Alfred Payton. This season, on the other hand, has been a complete 180. And Julius Randle, I tried my best to verbalize the thoughts of every Knicks fan at the time, but words cannot truly describe the lifeblood that Julius Randle, he's ignited a flame into this organization. After being selected to his first All-Star game, I played in a couple days ago, he's not looking to stop there. He's making a strong case for All-NBA. I said earlier, possibly Dark Horse MVP. They don't got the record though, so what? It is what it is. Should be all pro, in my opinion. Wayne, you go this time. You fucking take Julius Randle, and then because I know X is probably different, so I'll let you continue. I'll let you take. Uh, I'll let you take my stream. Um, I just want to say because I, I got, I got, I got Julius too, but um, I, I just I think this whole big thing is I think it's a Kenny Payne thing, really. And, uh, you know, I'm out here in Kentucky, and they, they do all things Kentucky basketball. And I never heard of a 
a Kenny Payne before we got him. But apparently Kenny Payne is a huge deal to what Julius does. A huge deal. Apparently he's some kind of big man whisperer. And if you notice, uh, you know, they, they talk to Kenny Payne a lot. You hear more about Kenny Payne than you do tips. And so I think he did something to, to Kenny Payne. He did something to Julius. And, it's, and it's, it shows. And they was trying to tell me before the season starts, like, Wayne, watch what Kenny does. And maybe that's maybe that's telling because we see what Kentucky basketball looks like this year and we see what the Knicks this year. So I think there's something to Kenny Payne that a lot that the average person didn't see. I damn sure didn't see it. But and they they really swear by him. And I think he's really slowed the game down for him. And in fair in fairness to to uh, Julius, he was subjected to Fizdale last year, who would, evidently he thought he had LeBron James. He had to try to use the LeBron James how he had him at Miami. You see what yeah. I mean? And that really wasn't what Julius can do, at least not to that clip. But I got I got Julius as my most improved player, and maybe that's a biased pick. Maybe that that could be. I, I but I, I mean I was looking at a Christian Wood too, but then he got hurt because I try to be I try to be objective. I do I do try. But I'm a, I got to give it to Julius just because he's in that Knicks jersey and what he was last year versus what he is this year and what he's done for the team. So I, I look at that. And so stats are cool, but how it translates to winning. And that was some of my knock on Joker. Joker's special. But then I look at, you know, you 6C. But it's, it is the West, so I get that too. So I looked at Christian Wood, and well, I'm not really sure how, how when that – the, between this injury and where the Houston was and they down spiral, but I, I really look at that too. So I feel like Julius's improvement has tr- can been more conducive to winning because we see what Houston is. But Christian's been hurt too, though. But so I'm gonna still give it to I'm gonna still give yeah, it. Yeah, and Julius. just adding right before uh, X goes, Julius is currently at plus five hundred according to Vegas, I believe, and Christian Woods plus six. And then after that, I think it's Jalen Brown, who I, I don't. I'm going way off. I'm going way off really? the uh, the map with mine. I'm going Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh, that is my most improved player of the year for one really simple reason. He's really good. And if <laughs> it is, we're talking about uh, some teams being miracles, like the Knicks being 1918 is close to a miracle right now. The way uh, Julius Randle's had to interject and have them play for that to happen. You want to know what's even more of a miracle is that the Oklahoma City Thunder aren't like five and thirty. I think that's more of a miracle. They they have Mike Muscala, Lou Dort, uh, Darius Baisley. If you had their starting five, and you gave that to everyone that bought League Pass, like literally every single owner of League Pass, and you showed them the Oklahoma City Thunder starting five, I'd be hard pressed to find too many people that can name more than three of that starting five. Then who can name all starting five in general? That's how bad the Thunder are. And I think SGA has had such an amazing year. Just just to read off some numbers, he's shooting 41% from three. He's shooting over 50% from the field. He leads the league in getting to the rim. That is a you know fundamental stat to basketball nowadays is getting to the rim. No one does it better than SGA right now. Yes. He only averages six assists. If he had better teammates, there's like this like adjusted assist percentage. His assist numbers would be over eight. It's not his fault he's passing to Mike Muscala for wide open threes and he can't make it. And uh, Al, Al Horford and all these guys. That's not his fault. So his numbers would actually look a little bit better if he had some players around him. And, of course, defense is focused on him mostly and a little bit on Lou Dort because he's the clearly best player on this team. But he's improved so much because he was from this guy last year who 
in crunch time, they didn't really look for him that much because they had CP3. CP3 ran the show this year in crunch time. It is all SGA. And look, they're not in too many crunch time games because his team's so bad. That has nothing to do with him. I don't care how good you have to be great with that Thunder team right now. And when he's in crunch time and he gets that ball, he's hard to stop. Like, he has transformed so much from a guy who wasn't even the one or two option really last year for a large portion of crunch time because he couldn't handle the moment. This year, he's handled the moment and then some. He's just fantastic. I think he's improved from, like, kind of, like, that, you know, bordering star level. I think he's nearing superstardom really shortly. It's not his fault he plays for a poverty franchise. But, yeah, that's take on SGA. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the underdog pick. I uh, just, I did. That's, that's, he's, he's right. That, he's, I remember X saying that on the Nothing But Hoops podcast. He, he, he's right. He, I knew it was somebody he, I, I, he mentioned, but I couldn't remember what it, who it was. But yeah, he, he's right. Shea has jumped. He, he's right. And X, I mean, George, if, if we get, if we change our teams, if you, you know, pull for the Nuggets, and if I take my Knicks jersey off and I pull for, Hell, I don't know. <laughs> I think the answer is I think the answer is Jay. I, I think he's I think X is you know, right. I'm looking at the Vegas odds now and I, I actually fucked up. Well Shay Shay is at thirty three to one odds right now. He's plus thirty three hundred, tied with uh Chris uh Bosher, Zach Levine, uh and behind Jalen Brown, Christian Wood. Julius Randle's currently plus five hundred and I didn't see this one. Jeremy Grant. Is favored right now, minus two fifty. No, oh. he had playing. So, really well. so can we can I we talk about that real quick? Because this happened last year with Devontae Graham. This pissed me off. Most improved does not mean you have more of a workload before. than the season before. That is not what most improved means. Just because he shoots the ball more does not mean he's an improved player. Like I don't think people understood. Devontae Graham shot from like forty percent to forty percent. The only difference was he was taking more shots. He was literally the same exact human being. He was just taking more shots. He was not really that impressive last year. He just touched the ball more, so that's why his, you know, averages went up a little bit. Same with Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's always been this kind of player. He's just shooting the ball way more because Detroit's a shit show. So I don't I don't like that. That's kind of how the award's been given out the last few years, just jumps rather than like who's genuinely playing better. But that's that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree with yeah, that. I, I, I echo that all uh, he's absolutely right. Yeah. He he's, he's absolutely right. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? If I'm not crazy about the show Friends, and guess what? If you make me watch a marathon of the show Friends, I might giggle there, but I'm still never going to watch it. <laughs> so I, I totally agree with, with X on that, with the Devontae Graham thing. But he was – because I started drinking the Kool-Aid on that a little bit last year, and then I got to look and said, wait a minute, something ain't right. So, yeah, that, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and if anyone saw Denver uh, in their playoff run last year would know just how valuable and how good – Grant was even last year. Julius Randle was a net negative for the Knicks last year, and he has become an all pro caliber player. So to move on to our next award, six man of the year. And the last player award we have on the, uh, on the list. I this, this man is currently minus three sixty according to Vegas. He's averaging 18 points a game off the bench, off the bench, four rebounds, two and a half assists in the steal a game, shooting 45% from the field, 37% from three. 97% from the line. Absurd. Uh, it's Jordan Clarkson. He's the sixth man of the year so far. He's, he's honestly, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, in my opinion. Uh, like I said, he's yeah. minus 360, according to Vegas. He's shown zero signs of slowing down so far. 
and he is on his his contributions are going to the best team in the league right now, record wise, the Utah Jazz. So I, I don't really have too much to say more about Jordan Clarkson. I'll save the rest of my breath for the uh, coach of the year. If <laughs> so, uh, if you yeah, I don't, I don't think it's really that much of a debate. Right I think this is Jordan Clarkson's award to lose right now. Honestly, the only person relatively close, in my opinion, is like maybe Halliburton, just because this is his first year and he's providing so much off the bench for the Kings. And I guess you could look at Chris Boucher or I don't, I don't even know, like Eric Gordon. But besides that, the, I mean, I don't know why you'd have anyone else besides Jordan Clarkson. Again, I'm not going to really waste my price thought either. This is just kind of an obvious one to me. It is Boucher, is yeah. So he, Boucher? he played for Oregon. That's how I know how to pronounce yeah. that. Don't, don't yeah. know yourself there. Yeah. I said, I said, I said voucher. It's all good. Wrong shit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Wayne, what do you think? Oh, ain't nothing to talk about. It's Jordan oh, Clarkson. Yeah. It, it, ain't no, ain't no. It's, it's Jordan Clarkson. Anybody with good two eyes can see that Jordan Clarkson is the best man coming off the, the bench. I mean, you're looking at what he's contributed. When uh, Donovan don't seem to have it, which hadn't been too often, Jordan got it. When when uh, Boggy seemed like he ain't quite got it, Jordan picks up right there. I mean, he, he doesn't get in no trouble. He's always consistent. He's going to give you this and that. And heaven forbid he mess around and have a hot streak game. I don't see how it is. And then, you know, he, you know, shoot, what, 41% from the field, 95% like, from free throw? I mean, like that, you really can't. There's an, And a, a stat I like, he don't turn the ball over. He don't turn the ball over. And he's playing like what? Because I'll check this out for one of my shows, like averaging like 26 minutes. So you playing 26 minutes and you turn the ball over one time? I got news for y'all. That's better than LeBron James, Steph Curry, KD, or AD for that battle. That that's that's better than Big Baller brand. So that's J- Jordan Clarkson for me. That that's I think we all like that. But and if if you if you say anybody else, then I I don't know what to tell you. I think it's Jordan. so. To move on to our last award of the night, another one for Knicks Nation, the Coach of the Year, Tom Motherfucking oh. Thibodeau. <laughs> I'm going to quote myself again for my first article of this season. Uh, Nick's basketball is back. If you want to go check that out. I said the way Tibbs has transformed the culture of Nick's basketball is unprecedented. Although the statistics are spectacular, and they are, I'm more impressed with the buy-in from guys who were previously uninterested in defense, like Julius Randle and Alfred Payton. Coach Tibbs has these boys playing awe-inspiring Nick D., Swarming Nick D, as my boy Bolt Clyde Frazier likes to say, and he deserves 100% of the credit. Again, trying to say what cannot be said like I was for Randall, Coach Tibbs needs to have a better record than, uh, than 19 and 18 to win this award. I get it. But if culture change and organizational impact has anything to do with this award at all whatsoever, Tibbs is the front runner far and away. He's transformed this Knicks team from a perennial bottom feeder to a playoff caliber team in a fucking half a season. An irredeemable team that has been clawing for relevance since the downfall of Carmelo Anthony from Phil Jackson. They finally have their leader, their knight in shining armor who's out there. They're the fucking king of New York. Julius Randle might be the MVP on the court, but Tibbs is the MVP of this team right now. 
He's completely transformed this franchise back into being remotely relevant. We're currently the fifth seed in the East. And I get it. Quinn Snyder is probably the coach of the year right now. Sure. But Tom Tibbs, if it's anything about story, this man is number one coach of the year, in my opinion. And Wayne, I think you echo my sentiments as well. I hope. (laughs) The answer is Quinn Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Listen, I, I get it. You know, I'm all about the Knicks and Tibbs, and I get what you're saying about the culture. He's done a lot. He's he's done miracles with this team. He's got his number three, uh, number one in defensive points allowed and third in rebounding. But the answer is, is Quinn Snyder. I mean, but all for all those categories you named, we're, we're 25th in offense, George. Our offense is anemic. We need help. We need help. And – we, I mean, we play some good defense, but we've had a lot of breaks too. And I'm looking at the Jazz team. I mean, they're, they're what they got the third best offense behind Brooklyn and Milwaukee. You know, what I mean, they number one in point differential, differential with plus eight. And then the, what they're defensively, they're number three. I look at it all the time. They're, no, they're number three right there with like 106 or 107 in defensive leaders. We're, we're 104. They're like 107 or something because it's always closing because I just want something to hold on to within New York. So that's only like a three-point difference. And then, you know what I mean, they they can rebound the ball too. We're number three. Guess who's number two? It's the Jazz. So we got one category, but the Jazz have everything else. And they got a top seed in the West. And there's a real shot that they can threaten the Lakers. They, They can threaten the Clippers. Yeah, the Knicks are good. We are great. But if we got in the series with the Sixers, how do you feel, George? If we get in the series with the Bucks, how do you feel, George? Yeah, I, oh. I like our chances against like a Pacers or a Toronto or something. I like our chances against that. But you know what I mean? But against somebody like a Boston or something like that, I mean, I, you can Tibbs and you can beat the, the drum. And I think he gets a bad rap with the whole minutes grinding thing. I think that's kind of oversaid. Because you look at, like, I'm looking at those whole minutes grinding thing. And when I look, go back to his Chicago days, he grinded Jimmy Butler. But I see Jimmy Grutler still moving right along. D. Rose had injury problems. Okay, fine. But then I look at a Joaquin Noah. He just got retired this year. Taj Gibson was on that roster. He's still moving right along. He had Kirk Heinrich, but Kirk Heinrich was like 39 years old. So, yeah, he was ready to go sit down. And so I'm looking at everybody else, and, and Nate Robinson was on that for a little while, and he still went on. So I'm just trying to figure out who he really grinded into the ground because the people from those Bulls teams really, you know, kept on really going. But that's another topic for another day. But never, nevertheless, it's, it's Quinn Schneider. It's a great story. It's a great culture thing. It's a it's a great culture thing. And he has and if Quinn Snyder didn't exist and the Jazz wasn't doing what they were doing, I'd be right there in lockstep with you. But to me, it's it's Quinn Snyder because where Tibbs does one thing, he does that one category. But Quinn has the Jazz playing in every category. Every category. I can't argue with that. But uh X, I I have a feeling you and your feeling is wrong. I'm again, disagreeing with both of you. Um, Yeah. I have elements of both, right? This is why I I think I'm a genius for this. And he's low in the rankings, but I don't care if this team stays up there. I think this man deserves it easily. Okay. So I have the culture change. Okay. This team hasn't made the playoffs since 2009. 
And I also have the record thing because last time I checked, they're second in the West. They're 24 and 11, two and a half games back from Utah. I'm talking about Monty Williams of the Phoenix Suns. The reason why I think he's the coach of the year is the Suns were a freaking joke for as long as I've been a basketball fan. They're terrible. Their best players of the last decade are like Eric Bledsoe, uh, Devin Booker. Like, that's basically it. They're just an absolute dumpster fire of a team. Monty Williams comes in. He's really figured out how to use Devin Booker effectively. It's not these empty stats anymore. Booker's working. In- I know Chris Paul got there, and that's a large reason why that crunch time five is better. But Monty Williams has transformed so many people on his roster already to become better basketball players in such a short amount of time that has made this team the second-best team in the West. If you look at Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson is one of the most underrated players in the league right now with Mikael Bridges. They have two of the most underrated players in the league. They're playing a lot of crunch time for them. Johnson comes off the bench a lot. Bridges starts, but Bridges has been able to really get into his own. By the way, Monty Williams has used him off ball. I like the way he uses Aiton because I think they're kicking themselves that they didn't take Luka. They probably need to trade for Chris Paul. If they would have got Luka, they could have had a core of Luka and Booker. But nonetheless, Aiton's been valuable for this team. I just think there's no one who is a more balanced person as far as he changed the culture in such a short amount of time and they have the record to speak. I understand Chris Paul is a huge part of that, but I think Monty Williams needs a lot of credit for using Booker in the way he is. He's look, Booker's a fast paced player. Chris Paul is not a fast paced player anymore. This is in 2006. So the offense is much more slowed down. Booker kind of struggled for the first few weeks of the season. Now Booker is kind of like a dark horse MVP candidate because of how great his numbers have been the last month or two. And then just other guys, the fringe guys in the roster, like Bridges that I already mentioned, Aiton Johnson, even freaking Cameron Artis Payne is looking like a competent player out there under Monty Williams. I just think Monty Williams deserves some a little bit of respect in that coach of the year candidacy. Cameron Artis Payne. I mean, you mean Cameron? I, I thought you were talking about the Carolina running back. <laughs> oh, uh, you're right. <laughs> is his middle name uh, Artis? I uh, messed up. It's just Cameron Payne. Cameron, yeah, I Cameron was talking Johnson. about the Carolina running back. Uh, just campaign. I'll, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> I, yeah, I apologize. I'm about to say Cameron Artis Payne. I'm about to say I didn't know he was on this. No, just, just campaign. <laughs> a little campaign bit of a blunder. The one, the one thing I would say, the one thing I would say yeah, about Monty Williams is that uh, Phoenix has been on an incline pretty much every year for a while. And I think a lot of people, especially after their uh, – uh, they're showing in the exhibition games before the bubble last year that they were ready for the spotlight. The Knicks, on the other hand, complete out of left field. Came, nobody saw it coming. So that's the only thing I would say. <laughs> the only issue I have with the Knicks is this, yeah, yeah, all right? Yeah. So right now the Suns are two. I think the Suns are going to finish in the top four. Like I don't think there's any really signs of them falling apart. They're going to finish in the top four. They have a game in the Lakers. I expect if Anthony Davis is cleared that the Lakers might overtake them for two. And then the Clippers, you know, they kind of take the regular season off. So they may fall to like five or something. But I think the top three is kind of locked in Utah, Phoenix, and L.A. in any LAL in any kind of order. As far as the East is concerned, the Knicks are the fifth seed. They have a half game over Miami. I don't think they're better than Miami, so I'd expect them to fall there. And then you're in the six, seven, eight territory. When there's Toronto, Charlotte, the Knicks, Indiana, and Chicago, you know how I feel about Indiana. I think they're going to get one of those. So that's, what, six teams right there. So it would be New York fighting for one of the last two or to be in, like, that playing game or whatnot. I'm just not convinced that the Knicks are out of the water yet. Because, yes, this is a great first-half start. They are only 19 and 18. 
I think just, you know, we have to see how they are at the end of the, like if they're still there at the end of the season, if they're still a top six seed, I don't think there's any doubting what you just said. But I think right now, halfway through the season, I think Snyder, Monty Williams, I'd consider Doc too, potentially for understanding how he used to buy his Harris again and not making that the worst contract in sports. As far as like my three, I think Thibodeau would be just a little bit under that just because I need to see a little bit more growth still. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't argue with any of those points. So that wraps up the episode. Uh, we went through all of the awards here. Phenomenal episode. Thank you guys for coming. I'd like to thank my co-host, yes. Wayne, of course, and our guest, uh-huh. Xavier Aguiar, CEO yes, of the motherfucking Sports Wave and host of the Nothing But Hoops podcast. Go check both those things out. Go check out my articles. Keep listening to the podcast and fucking stay up, people. Thank you very much. Have a good night, you guys. Indeed. Now, CX, we ain't so different after all. See, I, I do we just get along. See, I'm not as wild as it may seem. I know I got some hot takes out there. I got some hot takes out there, but yeah, it ain't as bad I like to go not intentionally. I, I didn't know SGA was plus 33 to 1. That's that's wild to me. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. No one watches the Thunder. That's why. Kind of a weirdo. Uh, yeah, probably. You too. Yeah, have a good night, you guys. Yeah. All right. We 